Welcome to the Assembly of Yahweh Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you're here. For more information, you can visit hallelujah.org or download the AOI app on Apple or Google Play. Well, again, happy Sabbath. Um, if you don't know me yet, my name is Jordan Mansager. I'm married to my wife, Andy, and she's given us three of our children, Parker, Lou, and Barrett. Just like to thank Ferris and y'all for allowing me to speak today. Um, what I'd like to speak today is, is about the change that uh, we're seeing in the world and our readiness for what's coming. A Greek philosopher named Heraclitus was quoted once saying that change is the only constant in life. Changes are coming. Unless you've been living under a rock the past two years, you'd know that changes are not only coming, but they're also here, and they don't seem like they're going to be stopping anytime soon. We've got inflation, recession, war, drought and diseases and shootings, nuclear threats. Ukraine and Russia and Iran and Israel and China and Taiwan, and somehow the United States is entangled in all of them. In fact, just this week, Sri Lanka's president was thrown out of his country while Japan's was assassinated. It seems like these events are, are becoming more and more frequent and more and more drastic. A storm is brewing, brewing around all sides, but the politicians, these world leaders, would have us to believe that things are better than they've ever been. They're telling us that changes are coming, and by 2030, you're supposed to own nothing and love it. They're expecting you to eat the bugs, peasants. That's my Klaus Schwab impersonation. I'm no good at impersonations. <clears throat> I could go on and on about the decay of, of our values, but I think we've all seen it and heard it enough lately. I'm wanting to stress today more about the importance of becoming ready and being ready to leave both physically and spiritually. You might love the USA. I love it too. I love what it stands for, at least what it stood for. But this is not our home. Each one of us should be a puzzle piece that doesn't fit into the picture that this world is creating. No, their fight is not our fight. I was recently watching a video of a World War II veteran who was in tears recalling the men who he had fought with and and died next to him. And he said, this is not the country that they fought for. This is not the country that they died for. Eventually, this country is going to become something that it didn't used to be, with values and morals that were never intended from its founding. And some might say that that time is already here. So once there was a man who was shouting at at passerbys on the street, Repent, sinner! As he wore a large sign that read, The end is near. Another man walked up to him and asked, Could you be a little bit more specific? But umch. I know it'd be nice if if someone could tell us when these things are going to happen so that we could be prepared and get ready and know our our efforts weren't in vain, right? I've heard it said by people of of my age that every generation before them has thought that they were the last, and their parents thought that the apocalypse was right around the corner, and their parents before them, so they're not going to worry about it. 
I'm not going to think about it. If it happens, it happens. Now, I'd like to start by taking a look at what Yahshua says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 3, and we're going to go through 31. <clears throat> now he sat at the Mount of Olives, and the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So they, they got to talk to him in private, and they asked him, When are you coming back? Come on, you can tell us. And Yahshua answered, he gave, he gave him a little insider information. He told him, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. <clears throat> and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. And these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. I'd like to make a note here that there doesn't seem to be any pre-tribulation rapture that's going to save all the believers like some Christians teach. Some people, don't they go through life not thinking twice about it because they're going to be poofed away just like that just leaving their clothes behind in the car they were driving as their, their car ramps into oncoming traffic. and It's a dangerous teaching. Imagine you believe that, and then you ended up having to go through the tribulation and persecution that's coming, Yahshua speaks of, <clears throat> all the while expecting to be poofed away. Any given second now. It'd be pretty faith-shaking. And the Bible doesn't tell us this. Continuing on, it says, Many will be offended and betray one another, and they will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise and deceive many, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But, when he, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this good news of the kingdom will be preached all over the world as a witness to the nations, and the end will come. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babies in those days. And I pray that your flight may not be in the winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be a great tribulation such as not been seen since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. So these things are coming. They're going to be unlike anything the world's ever seen. It's going to be worse in a different kind of way. And by the way, the elect are still here. And if anyone says to you, look, here's the Messiah, or there, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, look, he's in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as lightning comes... From the east to the, and flashes to the west, so also, also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, 
There the eagles would be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of earth or of heaven will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and will send his angels with a great a sound of a great trumpet. And they will gather together his elect from the four winds and from one end of heaven to the other. So this is when the elect are gathered, hopefully me and you, at his return. Again, no pre-tribulation rapture. When you see the lightning flash across the sky, you know what it is, right? If you live in Texas, you were probably watching the storm rolling in from the distance, just hoping and praying that it would bring some rain along with it. And you're not the only one who's going to be able to see that lightning. If we're looking up, awake and watching, we're not going to miss it. So let's keep our our place here in Matthew. We're going to return to it back in a little bit. We're going to go to the story of Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. And here we can see kind of this microcosm or uh, small picture of an example of what is to come when Yahshua returns. We're going to go to Genesis 19. Start in verse 1. It says, Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening. And from the previous chapter, we know that these angels were, were coming from a meeting with Abraham, who Jewed Yahweh down into saving Sodom and Gomorrah if he could find ten people for the sake of righteousness. And it says, Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom, and when Lot saw them, he rose to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face towards the ground. And he said, Hear now, my masters, please turn into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise early and go on your way. And they said, No, but we will spend the night in the open square. But he insisted strongly, so that they turned into him and entered his house. And he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. And before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every quarter, surrounded the house. And they called to Lot and said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out so that we may know them. So Lot went out to them through the doorway and shut the door behind him and said, Please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly. So we can see here that Lot chose to stand up for what's right. He's going against the grain. He's trying not to fit in with the crowd or the culture. And he's calling out wickedness and he's bringing it to the light, which only probably made them more upset. See now, I have two daughters who have not known a man. Please, let me bring them out to you that you may do with them as you wish. Only do nothing to these men, since this is the reason they have come under the shadow of my roof. So unfortunately, Lot's next solution is to try to compromise. Compromise just does not work with the wicked. It might work with you sometimes when you're at home, you know, arguing with your wife or your kids or, or your boss at work. But when you're faced up against wickedness, wicked people, and you're trying to compromise, you're never going to get a righteous outcome. You can take abortion, for example. Compromising at no abortion after so many weeks will still leave the same ultimate effect for the unborn aborted under that limit. Compromise is what got America into the mess that we're in now. 
a failure to just say no, a desire to fit in, a desire to be liked, to be accepted, has led to the degradation that's so visible today. When you compromise with them, it doesn't get you a foothold towards the direction you're wanting to go. It gives them a foothold towards you and the direction they're trying to go. We need to start get the momentum going in the other direction. So if we continue in verse 9, it said, And they said, Stand back. Then they said, This one came to stay here, and he keeps acting like a judge. Now we will deal worse with you than them. So they're acknowledging that he's a newbie still in their society. He doesn't quite fit in. Who's he to judge them? We see similar reactions here in current times, and it reminds me, Yahshua tells us that he's gonna, people are going to hate us for his namesake. This also speaks to the fact that we should preferably be living around as many righteous people as we can, so we're compromising as little as possible which is unlike what Lot chose. Lot chose the wealth and the comfort and the opportunities that the city of Sodom had to offer. Thankfully for us, I believe that Texas, and specifically the areas around here, around the assembly, is probably one of the best places on earth to be and to raise a family. And I have each one of you here to thank that for that. So let's keep it that way. So they pressed hard against Matt, the man Lot and came near to break down the door. But the men, speaking of the angels, reached out their hands and pulled Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they became weary trying to find the door. Then the men said to Lot, Have you anyone else here, son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, and whomever, whomever you have in the city? Take them out of this place, for we will destroy this place. Because the outcry against them has grown so great before the face of Yahweh, and Yahweh has sent us to destroy it. So apparently, they weren't able to find those ten righteous people that they were were trying to. And it sounds like the size of Lot's family could have been at least that big, or at least taken out most of that number which would, again, it would probably point to them um, being already compromised. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-laws who had married his daughters and said, Get up out of this place, for Yahweh will destroy the city. But to the sons-in-law, he seemed to be joking. So <clears throat> Lot had some daughters that were married and two others that we know were not. And the, sons of Lot, the sons-in-laws married to the daughters didn't take his warning seriously, And they probably laughed at him. They probably called him a crazy conspiracy theorist. So will many of our our friends and family when we see the end approaching and we try to warn them. You'll probably be called a crazy conspiracy theorist. I, I take the badge and I wear it with pride. When the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. And while he lingered, the men took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hand of his two daughters, Yahweh being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. So it came to pass, when they had brought them outside, he had said, Escape for your life. Do not look behind you, nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains, lest you be destroyed. 
And Lot said to them, Please, no, my masters. Indeed, now your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have increased your mercy, which you have shown me by saving my life. But I cannot escape to the mountains, lest some evil overtake me, and I die. See now, this city is near enough to flee to, and it is a little one. Please let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. And he said to them, See, I have favored you concerning this thing also, in that I will not overthrow this city which you have spoken. Hurry, escape there, for I cannot do anything until you arrive there. Therefore the name of the city was called Zoar. The sun had risen upon the earth when Lot entered Zoar. Then Yahweh rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from Yahweh out of the heavens. So he overthrew those cities, all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities, and even what grew on the ground. But his wife looked back behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. So we don't know why exactly Lot's wife looked back. doesn't tell us. doesn't even tell us her name. But we can theorize that maybe she was looking back for her daughters that hadn't left with them. Or maybe she saw the road and the life ahead of her as being too difficult or more mundane and boring than the life she had. She probably wouldn't have the influence or the comforts that she was used to. Whatever the reason, we know that she wasn't ready to leave it behind. We, like Lot's wife, will have a choice to make. Could you leave it all behind? Could you throw away your phone and your TV, leave your house, if and when it comes to that? It'd be hard. I'd have a hard time with it, especially if those things play a big part in our day-to-day life right now, and I know they do in mine. And Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he stood before Yahweh, and he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward the land of of the plain, and he saw, and behold, the smoke of the land which which went up like a smoke of a furnace. And it came to pass when Yahweh destroyed the cities of the plain that Yahweh remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had dwelt. So it was ultimately because of Abraham that Yahweh saved Lot, even though Lot kind of thought it was his own favor that Yahweh saved him. It's interesting to note that researchers estimate the death count of the cities to be between 45,000 and 65,000 people. So what's a big deal with Sodom and Gomorrah? Why did they get completely decimated? Yahweh tells us in the book of Ezekiel 16, in verse 49, it says, Look, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. She and her daughter had pride, fullness of food, and an abundance of idleness. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. And they were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw fit. Now, I don't know about you, but based off this scripture, I can see a lot of similarities between Sodom and our country. It kind of makes me nervous. Don't get me wrong. I know we have a lot more righteous people around than they did. But things are getting worse, and people are going to be led astray. Just this last month was the country's yearly dedicated month of pride for the very abomination that Yahweh speaks of in Ezekiel. Good people everywhere are compromising 
and their acceptance of this abomination, among many others. So let's go back to Matthew 24 and finish up the chapter. Remember, they're trying to figure out exactly, you know, when are these things going to happen? In verse 32, Yahshua says, Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branches already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see these things, know that it is near, at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Now, he's not, obviously not taking, talking about the, the generation, the people that he's talking to at this time or at their time, <clears throat> but rather the generation that starts to see the things take place is, are not going to pass away before he comes back, which makes it sound like these things are going to happen, and when they start happening, it'll happen within an average person's lifespan. <clears throat> he says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But, at that, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. So wickedness will be all around, and for a lot of people, it'll be life as usual, with only a remnant of Yahweh's people remaining. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. So we see life is still going on. Work is still needing to be done. Then two men will be in the field. Or sorry. Watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your master is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Now, I've heard it explained before that we may not know the exact hour, or, uh, but we might be able to know the approximate year or the season. In other words, we may not know exactly when he's coming, but we might be able to start knowing when it's close. We should be able to know, start knowing when it's close when those days come. <clears throat> Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so so doing. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. But if if the evil servant says in his heart, my master is delayed in his coming, and he begins to beat his fellow servants and eat and drink with the drunkards, The master of the servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him, and at an hour that he is not aware of, and he will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, notice that Yahshua never tells them that he's not going to be returning for over 2,000 years. Imagine if he did. He knew what would happen. It'd be a quick spiral into sin and depravity. Now, it seems as though he left it up for each generation to decipher, each generation assuming that it might be theirs that witnesses his return. 
Even those who he was talking directly to at the time were probably thinking it might even be within their lifetime. Now, why would he do that? I believe it'd be so we can live our lives as righteously as possible with each generation looking for him and looking forward to his coming. Throughout the Bible, Yahweh has delivered his people out of wickedness and from destruction. Stories come to mind like Noah and the flood and Israel out of Egypt and Lot out of Sodom. And we're told it's going to happen again when Yahweh delivers his people out of Babylon and the coming beast system. When societies get too bad, Yahweh intercedes. And it's probably because there's a line that's crossed and there's no more hope for those people to return to righteousness on their own. And when that happens, he removes his people from a shared and certain death. And we can see from the story of Lot that it happened on Yahweh's schedule, not theirs. It doesn't matter if we're ready or not, it's going to happen. Yahweh's people are, are going to have to be removed again. In Revelation 18, it speaks of Babylon the Great or Mystery Babylon. <clears throat> And in verse 4, it says, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, and lest you receive in her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven, and Yahweh has remembered her iniquities. Render to her just as she rendered to you, and repay her double according to her works in a cup, in a cup which she has mixed, double, mixed double for her. In the measure, measure she glorified herself and lived luxuriously, in the same measure, give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as queen, I am no widow, and I will not see sorrow. Therefore, her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine. And she will be utterly burned with fire, for strong is Yahweh Elohim who judges her. The story kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? Some people believe that this mystery Babylon is referring to the Vatican or Catholicism, and others think it could be the United States and New York City, and a part of me could see it. I can at least think of a couple cities that would fit this description. So is it bad to live like he's coming tomorrow? Absolutely not. I would say, however, It would be bad to live in a state of constant fear of the coming tribulation. You don't want to live in a state of worry about the coming apocalypse and miss out on life like some do. After all, Yahshua tells us not to be afraid. On the other hand, would it be bad to live your life as though he's not coming for another hundred years, another thousand years? Yeah, especially if your children are watching you, and I guarantee you they are. I've heard it said before that if you give someone even a small amount of hope that they don't have to prepare, they won't. It's too hard. It's too inconvenient. So let's get ready. We need to start by removing ourselves from the chains of this culture as much as we can while we can, while it's fairly easy. If it's too much change all at once, I'm afraid that some of us would turn around like Lot's wife be too much to take. We've been conditioned to be reliant on the system, providing for our needs. Electricity with the flick of a switch, water when you turn the faucet, fast food, Amazon, etc. 
We've got to start separating ourselves and becoming more self-reliant now. We're not going to be able to rely on the world's system forever. We know that the beast system is coming, and they're going to require a mark to be able to buy and sell, and we're not allowed to take it. So have extra food. I think Noah had enough food on the ark to sustain themselves and their animals. And I also know the Israelites brought unleavened bread with them as they fled Egypt. So I don't think we're neglecting Yahweh and relying only on ourselves instead of him to provide. I see it more as a sign of faith and that we expect these things to come and happen just like he said they're going to. So what sane person wouldn't prepare? I mean, even the Mormons teach their people to buy a few extra food items each week. Their goal is to build up at least three months of food and supplies. That's probably the one and only good thing the Mormons have going for them. <laughs> we're told that when, before Yahshua comes back, we're going to have to endure. So having food and supplies for your family, I can only imagine it's going to help us through that process. And the sooner we do it, the better, because inflation doesn't seem to be stopping anytime soon. The Bible speaks about a little bit about the inflation, the coming prices we're, we're going to be seeing. In Revelation 6, <clears throat> verse 6, it said, Then I heard what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures, saying, Two pounds of wheat for a day's wages, and six pounds of barley for a day's wages, and do not damage the oil and wine. <clears throat> so, you could get two pounds of wheat for a day's labor in the future, or you could store up some now for the future, and based off of Amazon's prices on what they're charging for wheat, you could get two pounds of wheat for $4.80 and have it delivered to your door by Tuesday. Talk about inflation. <clears throat> a day's labor for $4.80 worth of food. Thanks a lot, Biden. Come on, man. So yeah, I'd say it's important to physically prepare and stock your pantry up as much as you're able to. Your family isn't going to want to all of a sudden stop eating. And if your kids are anything like mine, they eat a lot. It's like all they do. It's their favorite pastime. But even more importantly than physically preparing is our need to spiritually prepare ourselves and our families. Yahshua gives us an example of the prepared versus the unprepared in Matthew chapter 25. <clears throat> Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to two virgins or ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with the lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the, bride, the bridegroom is coming, go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there not be enough food for us and you, or lest there not be enough for us and you, but rather go to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the ver the other virgins came also, saying, Master, Master, open to us. But he said, Assuredly, 
I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know not know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. <clears throat> if we choose to believe that he's not coming anytime soon, we're going to be more apt to fall asleep spiritually. We won't be watching and waiting like he tells us to be. Many people have the tools. They've got a Bible, but they don't know how the lamp works. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, right? They've been, they haven't been living according to how we need to be. They lack faith, understanding, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah, they have the lamp, but it doesn't work, so what good is it? They're not going to be able to find their way through the dark. The lamp sure does look good on the nightstand, though. And I'll get around to reading the manual and understanding more about it when it looks like I'll need it. The problem is that when he shows up, it's going to be too late to get our lives in order. The Guinness Book of World Records says that the Bible is the best-selling book of all times, and that it's impossible to know exactly how many copies have been printed in the roughly 1,500 years since its contents were standardized. But research conducted by the British and the Foreign Bible Society in 2021 suggests that the total number of Bibles, the total number of Bibles probably lies between 5 and 7 billion copies. Some 20 million Bibles get purchased annually in the United States alone, according to Brandon Gale in 2017, with 92% of all Americans possessing one or more. It says the average Christian has nine. In total, the Bible moves 100 million copies yearly worldwide in an availability of 717 languages. So let's crack those puppies open and learn and grow. Maybe you're on the other side of the spectrum and you're ready. You've thought, he should have been here by now. Does he he see what's going on out there? We're told in James chapter 5, Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of Yahweh. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of Yahweh is at hand. Let's stay patient. Make sure our hearts are right. In closing, we we know a couple things are certain. Change is coming. And Yahweh and Yahshua are coming here. So let's not get comfortable in the ways of the world. Let's not get complacent to the sin in and around us. We all have changes we need to make, myself probably more than you. So keep moving forward. Don't stop. Stay watching and waiting. Stay awake. No sleeping on the job. Stay prepared. Yahshua is coming, is, is ahead of us. So eyes front, don't look back. Satan's great at holding up a rearview mirror and having you look at your past mistakes, who you were and what could have been. But Yahweh wants you to be looking ahead toward the future he's got planned for us. And I'm reminded by a quote of Mary Engelbright, who once said, don't look back, you're not going that way. Yahshua tells us that he's coming quickly. when he speaks to John in Revelation 22. 
In verse 6, he said, Then he said to me, These words are faithful and true. And Yahweh Elohim of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps my words of the prophecy of this book. Now I, John, saw and heard these things, and when I heard them and, and saw, I fell down and worshiped before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. Then he said to me, See that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant, and of your brethren the prophets, and of those who keep the words of this book, worship Yahweh. And he said to me, Do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. Him, he who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. So yes, tribulation is coming, but it's going to be okay. It means Yahshua is that much closer to returning. And, we're, and if we were able to ask him what we need to be doing until his return, I think he'd tell us what he told his apostles before. To be on guard. Don't be deceived. Don't be afraid. Never stop loving. Endure the hardships. Spread the good news. Teach people. Remove yourself from sin. Again, be on guard. Be wise. And stay watching. Thank you. Have a blessed Sabbath.